0: Good morning. Good morning. I greet you all in Jesus' name. It's a privilege to be here, see some visitors here. Welcome to our service. It is a beautiful day. Yesterday was almost a perfect day as far as weather. And it's a blessing when we have those kinds of days. So I'm grateful. I'm grateful for the opportunity we have of being together this morning to worship. And I was already blessed in being able to lift our voices together in praise and in singing the songs that we did. Thank you, Elliot, for leading those. I'd like to invite you this morning to turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 10. The I've entitled the message, The Cost of Discipleship. What did it, what does it cost you? What did it cost you? What is it costing you to follow Jesus? Maybe somebody wants to, to say what it costs. What does it cost you? As you look at following Christ, your decision to follow Christ, is there a cost? Maybe there's no cost. Maybe it's all a blessing. Well, we're going to read from Scripture this morning, and uh, this passage, this account that I'm going to read this morning is also found in Luke 18 and in Matthew 19. But I'd like to read from Mark chapter 10, and if you're able to stand and read with me, uh, you can stand at this time. and we're going to start reading from verse 17 to 22. fairly short passage. So read with me now from these verses. Matthew, or Mark 10 verse 17. And when he was gone forth into the way, there cometh one running. Okay, thank you for, for reading. Let's uh, bow our heads for prayer. Father, this morning we come to you uh, just acknowledging our need for your presence, for your Holy Spirit to be with us this morning. We ask that you would give words to speak that would edify, you know, the needs of the people here this morning you can use the same words in various ways through your Holy Spirit to speak to us. So we pray that you would speak to us the message that you desire for for me to preach this morning. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, here we have... A young man, in one of the other passages, calls him a ruler. And I imagine he's a noble-looking person. He's big, he's strong, he's clean-cut, he's well-dressed. He has that kind of bearing. And uh, just imagine now, you're one of the disciples, you're with Jesus. This man, it says... He came running. And I'm not sure why, if he was, it was so urgent on his heart, his mind, that he was running. Not often that we see people running to receive the gospel or to be converted. But he came running to Jesus and he knelt respectfully. And then he called Jesus good master. And um, that is actually saying, uh, that's attributing that he's God. And Jesus asked him then, why do you call me good? There is none good but God. And then the question he asks is, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? It's a good question. And I think Jesus was more than happy to engage with this noble, this man? And it was a thoughtful question, and it, was, it showed that this young man was thinking seriously about his life. Here was a heart, I believe, ready for the gospel. And so Jesus saw this earnest, uplifted face, And his heart was drawn to him. And it says he longed for this young man to follow him. Who wouldn't feel that way if a young man would come uh, running. Lyle, how would you feel if a young man would come running and would kneel down and say, look, what do I need to, to do to inherit eternal life? If someone comes to you with that question, what would you say? Well, this was a Jewish man, apparently. And so Jesus saw him, and he looked at him, looked in his face, and he said, Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Defraud not. Honor thy father and mother. And then almost, I think, this young man eagerly and maybe excitedly said, Master, I have kept all these from my youth. I was taught those things. They're a part of who I am. I don't think he was stretching the truth. I think he was being truthful and saying that this is the case. And so, clearly... This young man wanted to do what was right. He knew the commandments. They were the guiding rules of his life. What a man for the team. What a man for the church, we could say. Wouldn't we like if that kind of a person would come and want to be a part of us? No wonder Jesus, beholding Him loved him. There was something appealing about this young man. His openness, his honesty. So, now Jesus is God. He's the master. I'm not sure what we would have said. he, He said, I've kept all these from my youth. Jesus knew what his need was. In fact, he says, I'm not sure if it's this scripture, he said in one of the scriptures, he says, Yet lackest thou one thing, there's something missing in your life. So what could Jesus say is a critical moment here for this young man, he's kneeling there, he's wanting to know what it takes to have eternal life. So what could Jesus say to convince this young man to follow truth. And I'm not sure if I would have been a disciple standing there. Maybe I would have thought, now, Jesus, please be careful here. This this man has a lot of good potential. Wouldn't it be grand? Wouldn't it be great to have him on our following us, with us? He has He has the qualifications of a leader. I can tell. it. He's young. He's got things going. And he has a lot of something that we, most of us, don't have. And that's money. Wouldn't that be a great addition to what we need here? What would we say? What would you say if you were in Jesus' shoes? We would say, welcome, come, yes, we want you to be a part of us. Well, Jesus has an advantage over us. The Holy Spirit, if we're born again, we have the Holy Spirit living in us. That goes with it. And so the Holy Spirit also gives us utterance or gives us guidance when we face those kinds of situations. But Jesus knew what this man lacked. Jesus saw all the good in him and all the good he might do in the days to come. He could be a great teacher. He could be a great church leader. Jesus saw that in him. But in verse 21, what did Jesus say? He says, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell... Whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, take up the cross, and follow me. And if you look at verse 22, as the impact of what Jesus said hit this young man, what happened? Somehow, that eagerness and that joy drained out of his face. There was a look of sorrow there. it was as if though a light had gone out inside him. He turned his eyes away from Jesus. He was thinking hard. Now, he he was asked to make a choice right here in front of Jesus. Was this the price of eternal life? Must he sell everything and give it to the poor? How many of you were asked to do that when you wanted to follow Jesus? Was he to be become like these Galilean fishermen? They had a reputation of, they weren't wealthy men. Here was this, these guys following Jesus that, surely, I don't want to be like them. I don't want to live in poverty the rest of my life. He he was young. He had things to look forward to. Things were going his way. He was, no doubt, looked up to and respected and was a promising young man in his community and his associates and the people that he rubbed shoulders with. It doesn't say a whole lot about him. It just says this about him. And he decided, I can't do it. The price is too high. That's asking too much. I'm not willing to do that. He made that decision, and he says he turned away, and he walked away. We we don't read any more about this man. I don't know what happened. If he later decided he would follow Jesus or not, there was probably opportunity to make that decision. says he went away sorrowful. The decision that he made then, he was sorry. Well, What do you think, Jesus? Was he sorry too? Jesus, perhaps, he longed to call the young man back and make things easier for him. I think probably I would have tried to do that. We really need this person, we really can't afford to lose him after all. What would that do for the church if we'd have that kind of dynamics here in the church? Perhaps he longed to call the young man back. I don't know, but he didn't. So the question is, what did, this, what did Jesus require of this young man that cost too much? Anyone want to answer? That's a tough one, right? <laughs> Verse 21 says, And come. Now, I I think, I don't know if the invitation was actually literally to come physically and follow Jesus, but he says, come, but he doesn't just say, follow me. He says, take up the cross and follow me. What does that mean? What is the cross? That is the cost. Apparently, that's the cost of following Jesus, is to take up the cross. How do you see that? What is the cross? Did you, are you taking up the cross? Am I taking up the cross? I'd like to invite you now to turn to Luke chapter 9. I'd like to read a few verses from there. Luke chapter 9 beginning at verse 23. And he said to them all, if any man will come after me, now this is Jesus speaking, and he's speaking to everyone that's listening to him. If any man will come after me, if anyone desires to be my disciple or to be my follower, let him deny himself And take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. Now that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, does it? For what is a man advantaged? if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away. For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he shall come in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. Now at the last day, it says, those that don't deny themselves. That's, that's what's going to happen. If we're ashamed to follow Jesus in the last day, then Jesus will be, also be ashamed of us. It says, shall so the Son of Man be ashamed. That would be an awful, awful realization. Standing before Jesus and, and Jesus being ashamed of me, so it says in verse twenty three let him deny himself. I believe we've probably been taught enough to know what that means for us as a Christian. Uh, part of the the struggle with being a Christian is denying self or having, removing self from the throne room, from off the throne of our hearts. Self wants to stay there. Self wants to be in control. It is a, it would feel like a, a scary thing to To not be in control, denying self saying you know what i have another lord there is now another master there that is in charge and i follow him jesus here insists on unconditional following unconditional surrendering of ourselves to him and to his will is that easy has that been easy for you? Are we even aware? You know, we live in a, in a land that's been free and it's been fairly easy. I, if I would count back and, or look back over my life and see when I was, somebody threw a stone at me or somebody tried to hurt me because that I followed Jesus, I, I don't recall any, any of that ever happening. So we can, we can follow Jesus fairly uh, easily without making it known that we follow Jesus. Jesus insists on that unconditional surrender of our life to his authority. I imagine if Jesus would have asked this young man to give 25% of what he had to the poor, he probably would have considered that and said, yeah, I can do that. I'll do that. You know, we give 10%. Yeah, we're willing to do that. I hope we are. We're willing to give 10%. Or maybe even if Jesus had said, you know, if you give half of your goods, you know, that's what happened to Zacchaeus, the half of his goods, he was going to give to the poor when Jesus came into his heart, into his life. He was willing to do that. But everything? You know, the reality of it is that Jesus is asking every one of us. We say, well, that man was rich. And so Jesus knew where his problem was. I don't know how we determine. Sometimes it shows up in a person's life what really is his what he's not willing to give up are you willing are you willing to lay it all down and say yeah Jesus it's all yours i believe that's what's required of us what if jesus would have asked him even for 90% of all his wealth do you think he would have done it? Or what if you think, well, I'll give him—and this is maybe my mindset—and when I was a youth, I'll give the Lord two years of my life in service. Is that enough? Is that how we think? Then, then we can keep the rest. Jesus says, Let him deny himself. He wants all of you. Your desires, your plans, your friendships, your hobbies, your reputation, your past, your present. Your future. Jesus said you need to. Deny yourself. I want. All. I want it all. I want all of you. That's the price. Of following Jesus. Being his disciple. Costs us. Everything. No one can follow Jesus and reserve the right to direct his own life. Verse 23, notice what Jesus says next. And take up his cross daily and follow me. So following Jesus involves taking up a cross daily. So what do you do when you get up in the morning? You look around and say, well, okay, where did I put my cross last night? Strap that thing to my back. Or what does it mean to take up our cross daily to follow Jesus? Well, that was a hard one, maybe, for me as I thought about that. It might mean different things to different people. It has the sense of denying self right along with it. I think the two go hand in hand when you take up the cross of Jesus. It's not just saying, okay, if the time comes so-and-so down the road, that day you're going to be asked to take up the cross of Jesus. No, it says a daily thing that we do is to take up the cross of Jesus. Well, let's look at what the cross was for Jesus. In Matthew 16, verse 21 through 23, I'd like to read those verses. It says, from that time forth, Jesus came to a certain stage in life. He's nearing the time when He's going to offer Himself And he started talking to his disciples about what was going to happen. Matthew 16 verse 21 says, From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Well, then in verse 22, it says, And then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. Wow, that didn't fit into what Peter thought should happen. And sometimes the cross doesn't fit into what we think should happen either. What did Jesus say to Peter? And he saw it as an attack from, his, from Satan and not necessarily from Peter. But he turned and he said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan, thou art an offense unto me. For thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Peter, the disciples at this point envisioned the glorious days maybe of David and Solomon. Return. The tyranny of the Romans was going to be broken. And here Jesus had something different in mind. He had a godly kingdom in mind. And it took a while for the disciples. In fact, I really don't think it's... We heard, I think, this message last Sunday were that didn't really soak into the disciples until the Holy Spirit was given to them. And Then all of a sudden these things came back to them and began to make sense what Jesus was saying. So those who follow Jesus will face difficulty. Don't be surprised if there's opposition. If you're truly following Jesus, there will be opposition at times. Maybe mocking. Maybe some will argue with you. Some maybe will lash out. I don't know if you've encountered those things or not. Some will hate you. And increasingly in our culture, I feel that's that's the way we're going as a society and a nation is that it's anti-Christian definitely. It can be about any other religion is okay, But if you're a Christian and a follower of Jesus Christ, there's opposition there. You know why? Because it's the true religion. And Satan is against that. So he's okay with these other religions. I'm not going to hinder those. They're following me indirectly. They're worshipers of me. But when we follow Jesus, that is the true way. Then we're going to face those kinds of things. And maybe increasingly so. I don't know what it's going to look like for our children or our children's children. But God will be with them. God will maintain that, the church. Even to the point that some are killed. And they say the opposition to the church of Jesus Christ is just as strong today as it ever was. Only it's not that intense here yet. But someday it might be. So is that following... Taking up the cross of Jesus and being willing to face what Jesus faced. The mockery, the opposition, the scorn, the hatred. To me, that's at least partially what it's like to take up the cross of Jesus. Some have said, well, maybe have referred to some things in their lives as the cross. Maybe sickness or a handicap or whatever those things are. I'm not so sure that that's really the cross of Jesus because others are called to to have those even sinners have those same issues. I think the cross of Jesus is specific to following Jesus, opposition, oppression, persecution, or even death because you love Jesus and you follow him. You're his disciple. So if they did these things to Jesus, they will surely do them to his disciples. And Jesus told his disciples, repeatedly, at least a number of times, they're what their cross would be. If they hated you, they're going to hate. If they hated me, they're the things they did to me, they will eventually do to the believers. Somehow we've escaped a lot of that. But is, is it in our future? Is that something we're going to have to eventually face? For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life shall for my sake shall find it. I think what he's saying here is sparing oneself of the cross amounts to forfeiting one's life eternally. The cross is too heavy. The cross I can't... For this young man, uh, what he was called to do, that was too much. I can't do it. He said no. The Father, the Heavenly Father's plan took Jesus to the cross. But you know, it likewise delivered Him from the cross. In the same teaching that He told His disciples about the death, He was going to die, He says in three days, I'm going to be raised from the dead. So, when you think about the cross, brothers and sisters, think about the promise that Jesus gives. Eternal, eternal life is going to be ours if we take up his cross daily. The Father's plan took Jesus to the cross. The devil's plan, through Peter, if Jesus would have succumbed to that and said, yes, I'll go that route. And I believe that temptation was real. What horrors would be in store for us if Jesus would not have followed the Father's plan, if Jesus would not have died if Jesus would not have gone to the cross Luke 9:25 says for what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away what advantage is it what advantage is it for this young ruler now he has long since died we think When we're young, our life stretches out for a long time. We're young, we have things going for us. We don't want to submit to Jesus. We don't want to deny ourselves. We want to follow what's exciting, fun. We're attracted to the world. We're attracted to those things that the flesh loves So if you're a young person here this morning, that's a choice you face continually. Every day it says you face that choice. Am I going to take up my cross and follow Jesus today? Or am I going to do what the flesh desires? The other two passages end a bit different than this passage does. And I just felt led to to look at what those passages say as well. In Luke 18 it says, And when Jesus saw that he was very sorrowful, he said, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God. For it is easier for what to happen. Someone know? It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. I remember someone coming back from the Holy Lands back when I was a boy and giving a report at church and saying, well, actually, the needle's eye is a, a little small gate in the big gate. When the gate was shut, that's all the. Then a camel actually could get through if he squatted down. And, but it's, it, I don't know if that's the case or not. I believe it. If you know what a needle's eye is, it's not very big. And the disciples then would have just exclaimed to this and said, well, then they were astonished. So it's impossible. If that's the case, probably all of us here wouldn't be able to get into the kingdom. Do you agree with that? But Jesus said, now with man that's not possible, but with God all things are possible. We're considered the wealthiest people probably in the world. Maybe there's a few categories in other countries that are above that. And I I do think that Jesus' warning here, we should take it very seriously. In another scripture it says, They that desire to be rich fall into all various temptations. So I'm not sure what your goals are, young men, but consider the danger of that, what Jesus said, He said the same thing in Matthew 19. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, after this young man had turned away and walked away, Verily I say unto you, or truly I say unto you, that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And then it says the disciples were just exceedingly amazed and said, who then can? And then again Jesus said, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Thank you, Lord, for that. It's impossible for us to become a child of God by ourselves. All of us need the saving grace of God. Thank God for that. And that's probably why it says in 1 Corinthians 1, For ye see your calling, brethren, not many wise men, after the flesh, or of this world, not many mighty, not many noble are called. Why? Why are not many of those called? Well somehow, if we have these abilities, this knowledge, this nobility, we just don't see the need to humble ourselves. But Jesus says, because that no, it says it down in verse 29, then it says, that no flesh should glory in his presence. Jesus doesn't want that noble, rich man in his following if he's glorying in his flesh. Jesus desires, God wants us not to glory in the flesh. And he says later, He that glorieth, let him glory. It's written that way. He that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. That's my prayer for us this morning. Shall we bow our heads for prayer? Father in heaven, we thank you for this scripture. That we can gain just an understanding of what is required. What the cross costs for us. And you know the hearts of men. You know the hearts of our young men, middle-aged men, those that have a zeal to serve you. and Pray that you would just help us in this reality of being able to deny ourselves, to understand the cost, to count the cost, then to... Be faithful followers until that day when you come and we're all called to account before you. We're going to stand before you and have to give account of ourselves. Lord, we pray that we'd be faithful to the time that you come. We pray for our young men. We don't know, our young ladies, what the future holds here in this land, but you do. You've promised to be with us and you are faithful to your promise, to your word. We thank you that you care about us and that you have the teachings in scripture that give us direction and an idea of what it takes. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.